gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to today's Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. We want to thank you for listening today. You, our fans, are what make our podcast great. There are many ways you can support a podcast. We are asking that you give us a five-star rating on your platform, a thumbs up on your platform, and above all, please share our podcast with the dog lover in your life, as well as all of your buddies that enjoy hunting. We are here. We honestly have not monetized our podcast. We aren't looking to monetize it. I just enjoy putting out content to get people involved in the sport I love. And the way for us to, I guess, spread the love of sport is to please share our podcast with others. Now, on today's show, we are going to talk about finding a puppy during the times of COVID. We are going to talk about the importance of praise during our hunting segment, and then we're going to talk about optimizing your areas that you hunt from what you learned from past seasons. So it's going to be a good show. So first, we're going to talk about finding a puppy during this time. And it has been crazy. During COVID, I have never gotten so many requests and calls for people trying to find a puppy. I can say with a straight face that when they started talking about lockdowns, and they started talking about the cataclysmic effects in the economy. I talked to my wife and said, should we even breed dogs this year? We decided we would basically do it by a case-by-case basis and breed a litter at a time to see how much interest was still out there. What I learned was that people were stuck at home and many, many folks that could afford to get a dog decided this was the time because they were at home. Our phone rang off the hook. Emails were unbelievable, and we are at the point where for 2021, saying this in December of 2020, for 2021, we're already about 80% sold out for our litters next year. With that, there's a huge caveat that people need to understand if you're looking for a puppy. I get that you want to get a puppy now. I've heard so many sad stories of people losing a dog and saying, I just can't be without a dog. There are many scams out there right now. There are places that are putting up storefronts, websites that say they have puppies available. They're taking deposits. They're taking full purchase price. They're taking money for shipping. And then when you try to get a hold of them after that, they'll maybe get back to you one more time and say, there is an emergency. We need more money. Ultimately, it's a scam. The other thing you have to watch is try to find someone that's being honest I probably lose sales at Soggy Acres Retrievers because I tell people probably the earliest you're going to get one now would be spring towards summer for a black or yellow puppy. 
and summer at the earliest for chocolate dog, uh, chocolate pup. Now, I could tell people earlier and I could get their money. And once you have a deposit, you have them locked in. And I just don't do business that way. So find someone that's being open and honest about when they're going to have pups available. If you have someone that does not have a, a litter bred and they're telling you they're going to have puppies available by a certain time, I guess question it. Look at it and say, okay, how honest are they being? Are they giving you a month? Are they saying the female is going to go into season in two weeks? Because honestly, you just don't know that as a breeder and dog owner. Mother Nature decides these things. We do up to 15 litters a year. So I speak in generalities when I talk to clients. And I can give a number or a timeline like spring towards summer, which is a huge window. And feel confident that I should in theory, if all litters are bred and go well, hit that mark. I have people that try to pin me down on, well, can you tell me if it's going to be early summer or late summer, let's say for chocolate puppies? I I just can't because we have six litters that we are going to have go home, at least for chocolate pups next year. We have one litter bred. It's not confirmed yet. And I'm now taking deposits on the fifth and sixth litters bred for 2021. I can't tell someone with any honesty when the next female will be bred. I'm hopeful it'll be in the next month or two, but I can't give an exact timeline because she's not in season. To give you an idea when you're looking for puppies, from the time that a female goes into heat, so first sign of her heat cycle to the take home of a puppy is roughly about four months. So when I'm talking about puppies that will go home, let's say in July or August, you're looking at dogs that are going to be bred in March and April. That's a long time from now. So what I am instructing people who are out there looking, whether they get one from us or not, is find someone that runs a good business. Find someone that has a legitimate business. Watch the scams. And put your money down to get yourself in line now because things are only going to get more busy as we get towards spring. It is crazy to say that. Normally, we do sports shows, uh, two different sports shows in a year. We've decided we are not going to do those for health and safety, but also just necessity. We don't need to do them. And I think that the world is changing in how people are going to be buying products, whether it's a puppy or something uh, for, for household use or something for hunting. I think that a lot is going to change from what we have gone through in the last uh, nine, 10 months. And the other thing is we're still getting four to six deposits per week. That is crazy during the winter months. Normally you're going to get four to six deposits when you hit that first warm day in like February or March. And then people just get puppy crazy and you are having where you're getting four to six months or four to six a week. Right now it is that busy. So I'm certain that once we get more towards spring, that phone is going to light up even more. Even on training, for our gun dog training program, we take six dogs, two groups of six dogs. We were full on November 30th. Make sure you're finding someone you want to do business with and be patient. If you jump into trying to get a puppy now because you have to have it now, you are going to open yourself up to scams. And also you're going to open yourself up to kennels that you normally wouldn't want to support. And you're going to open yourself up to 
people that are only breeding just to make money and they're not doing all the necessary uh, the necessary health clearances. They're not doing the necessary genetic testing. You want to make sure you're finding someone that's doing it right, has a good solid business, and that you want to support and get your future family member from. So I hope that helps. I, I, I often, when I'm talking to people, it's really difficult because I, I really feel like a used car salesman when I'm trying to tell someone what I'm talking about now. But it's trying to, I guess, protect people from themselves. I get that you want to have a dog now. I will say that if I only had one dog and my dog passed away, I would be out of my mind trying to find a dog. I went up hunting uh, when I uh, go up to my, my hunting property. I went up for a week for bow hunting. I did not take a dog. That was one of the most lonely weeks I have ever had. I think I'm going to actually get a furball camera and just have my wife put the dogs in front of it so at home, at night I can come home and look at the dogs on a furball camera. It was incredibly lonely. I get it. I have five dogs in the house. I couldn't imagine only having two dogs in the house, much less none. So put your time in now. Put your planning in. And I would suggest if you have an older dog and you think that you are going to be in the position where you want to get a dog in the next year, I would get a deposit down with a kennel. We do this for people at our at Soggy Acres Retrievers. We will actually take a deposit and we put people in litters by the order of the deposit received. So basically the date on the deposit. We will tell people when we have a puppy available for them. I don't have a problem if during that first week after a litter is born, if someone bumps back and says, you know, I want to wait. Uh, we, it's not right right now. We have a wedding coming up. We've got a funeral. We've got a vacation. Uh, my kids aren't home from school. I have no problem putting that off, whether even if it's we have an old dog that we want to wait uh, until the dog passes. But get a deposit down now. One, it's going to lock you in uh, for, for any price changes in the future from our kennel, and it should from any others. But two, it's going to ensure that if this craziness in people wanting dogs grows or stays at the same level even, or even slightly less, it's going to make sure that you are protected so that you can get yourself your dog in the future. So I hope that helps. Again, please make a good, informed, educated decision. Dogs are great. We want you to have a healthy one. We want you to have a dog that you can enjoy in the field. That's it for this segment. Next, we are going to talk about the importance of positivity or praise in your dog training on our training tips after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Welcome back to the show. So when you are doing your training with your dog, there is the power of positivity. Heard that somewhere before, so I think it's a cool statement. But <clears throat> basically when you're looking at training your dog, what that means is you have to use lots of praise. The power of praise with a dog when you're putting pressure on them is one of the most important tools you have as a trainer. People will look at training tools as collars, as bumpers. Your most important training tool you'll have is positive praise for the dog. When you have a dog in for training, I have six dogs in for obedience training right now. When I get them in, they are like wild broncos that you've got in. You've got a break to get a saddle on them. These dogs are here for a reason. 
their owners in many ways have lost control of them. They love their dogs, but they just want them to listen. They want them to work within a structured atmosphere. So we get the dogs here. We start them on a prong collar and then we move to a, an electric collar in our obedience program. That's three weeks. It's a great program, but the first couple of days are really hard on me, the trainer, as well as the dog, because it is teaching the dogs that there are now rules that they have to fall within my rules. And you get a lot of attitude issues with the dogs because many of them haven't been put in the situation. If they had, they wouldn't be here. So you're putting pressure on an animal that has not had this pressure on them before. But how we do that is if you think of it as a spectrum, people do not have enough positive praise in a dog's training and they don't have enough negative consequence for the dogs. So you need to make that a really, really wild or really wide range as you have, in essence, a big stick and a big carrot. So you have to try to keep your positivity or your praise at about 80 to 90% of your training while also having that figurative big stick of negative consequence if the dog doesn't do what you want. Again, we're not trying to, and we never harm dogs. We are giving them a negative response, but we're showing them how to get this positive response that is overwhelming. So it's kind of dragging them toward making the right choice. How do we do positive praise? I don't use uh, treats. I do on puppies, but on, on older dogs, I don't use treats. It is just having a dog when they finally accomplish the mission of sitting on command to my level, then having them sit there and telling them, sit, good dog, sit, good dog, sit, good. Again, it's in your voice inflection, repeating the command over and over and over again, reassuring the dog that you are now doing what I want. This is awesome. You are being rewarded with my praise. It's also your body language. If you have your arms crossed and you're looking at the dog saying, good dog, good, the dog is going to be thinking, what the heck did I do wrong? I always tell people from a human sense, look at your job. If your boss has their, their arms crossed and they say, hey, I need to talk to you in my office, you know it's not good. Now, you're never going to have your dog that is your, your, your boss that's going to be bent over at the waist saying, oh, I need to talk to you in my office. Of course, that isn't going to happen with your boss. We're at a little bit higher intellect, so your boss can tell you certain things and it'll, it'll work out or your husband or your wife can tell you certain things and hey, it works out. You understand that it's positive. With a dog, we want to give them overwhelming positive praise with our body language and with our voice inflection. And then we are going to continue this praise with commands that they know and that they are performing correctly even after they've corrected it. I know that doesn't sound like it makes sense, but that is how we are going to make it so that 80 to 90% of our uh, communication with our dog during training is positive and only 10 to 20% is negative, which is, again, walking at heel, having the dog walk at heel, heel, good dog, heel, good, heel, good dog, heel, that a dog, good way to go, giving him these commands over and over. You're going to see the dog's body language themselves as they are more relaxed and wagging their tail and they're going to want to please you. That is what a good dog is bred for and that is what you are going to elicit from them during your training. So I hope that helps you with your dog training in the field we are going to have a great hunting tip coming up next, and that is going to be on taking last season's hunts and planning for the future season after this.
This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. So my duck season officially ended last weekend. Our season closed here in Wisconsin, and it's funny because now I see all of the uh, reports down south about how great it is to have duck hunting going. It makes me a little sad because when I had the TV show, I used to travel all over. So my duck season honestly didn't end until probably about February 1st. With that said, we are going to look toward the future at my place and what we're going to do. We had one pond that we called the glory hole. This pond was loaded with ducks all year long. One of the problems that we ran into is that I believe the birds were feeding on something in the pond that we planted in the past on the TV show. I'm going to go back and actually look and see what we planted because I want to make sure I can replicate it. I believe it was sago pondweed. And the birds were constantly in here. They were constantly feeding, but they were always, always on the wrong side of the pond, which was about 60 yards across. So we had many hunts where birds were landing and we weren't shooting at them because of the fact of where they were landing. They just weren't finishing in the hole where we needed them to. So on that instance, I am going to put in a platform so that we can have a blind there. Now, what I did during the season at a new property that we bought this year is I built basically a six by 12 platform like a pier. You can use a, it was a full six by 12 deck. And then we used in essence, what would be like a frame for a pier to set that deck on and then used field blinds for putting on there so that we could have our blinds or our hides for our hunt. The nice part about this is I have one set of field blinds. They were $450 for the set. It'll hunt four people. It'll fit four people and I can use it at all of my properties and all of my platforms that I have. The cool thing is that it works on my platforms and we can also grass them in before the hunt. We took cattails and we stuffed it basically. It's got stubble, it's got stubble uh, uh, holders. We stuffed the stubble holders with all of our cattails and we would just take this out to where we were going to hunt and it was ready to go. All you do is put it up on the platform. It worked out really well as opposed to having to build a full blind at every one of these locations. When you factor in how much cost there is, if you're going to build a full blind with the wood and the time and everything, it really made sense to me. And it was something I wanted to see so that I could, I guess, see if it worked. What I did on the outside of it, six by 12 platform, I have L brackets, just like the common ones you, you buy for carpentry. I had L brackets and I put those on uh, with the L coming facing in so that it would just hold the blinds in place so that when you got that buddy that gets excited and pushes on the blind, it doesn't knock the blind off. And it really, really worked out well. The only thing I could see next year is probably, I would say, painting them so that they don't stand out when the blind is not on the platform. Just making sure that they're 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 covered so that you're not giving the birds something to flare at. If you're sitting, uh, for instance, in the one that I'm talking about, I'm going to be sitting on the other side possibly at times. That was the blind we hunted out of this year. We want to make sure that it is 
covered so that it doesn't glare and show the birds something that is going to scare them. So that would be what I'm going to do next year. If you guys have good ideas on any blinds or other tactics you've used on your private property or on public property on places that you're allowed to build blinds, please send me an email, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. I am never, ever against learning. I think that the minute you think that you know everything is the minute that you failed. So we're always looking for ideas for us personally as hunters uh, at my own property. But if it's a great idea, we can also share it with everyone here on our show. Again, if you can, please give us a thumbs up, give us a five-star rating, and share our podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Take care, happy hunting, and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need.